Welcome to The Crossing this Memorial Day weekend. So good to have you here. Want to look in the camera. Welcome all of those who are joining us, our Southeast Campus, our microsites, those who are watching online. Let's give them a big hand right now. In three weeks, we kick off our most popular series of the year, which is At the Movies. What Jesus did when, when he was teaching is Jesus would use modern-day stories to convey the truth of God's Word. And that's what we do with this series, that we use the best storytelling of our day, and that's movies, to, to talk about the truth of God and His Word. And just like last year, I'm not going to tell you ahead of time what movies we're going to be playing, but I can tell you we have some fantastic movies that we picked out. And secondly is this, is this series is not just for you. This is for you to bring a friend who would not normally come to church. And so this is for you to bring them. We're going to have popcorn. We're going to have a lot of fun in this. And because we are showing movies that are copyrighted, we will not be live streaming. These will never be online. And so the only way to get these messages is to be at one of our campuses or one of our microsites. And so we're going to start that on Father's Day with a great guy's movie. And so that's going to be a lot of fun for us as we do that. Well, we're in the middle of this series that we're calling Majnik. That when Jesus came, he talked more about the kingdom of God than any other topic. But God's kingdom is this upside-down, backwards kingdom. The values of Jesus are radically different than the values of our world. And that's what this series is all about. Now, Majnik is simply the word kingdom spelled backwards. And this Majnik kingdom is a place where the M in Majnik stands for more is less and less is more. The O is for others first. D is for descending into greatness. Last week, we talked about the G in Majnik, which is generosity flows. Well, today, we're looking at the N. And the N stands for not to us. That this is a kingdom that is not about us. The first verse of the Bible does not say, in the beginning, you. It says, in the beginning, God. This is why we sing not to us. And so the key verse for, for today's message is this right here. It's not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. And so today, I want to talk about the idea of worship. When many of you came to the crossing for the first time and you walked in here, maybe our, our worship seemed loud to you or rocking or expressive. And depending on your background, maybe you wondered, I have no idea why they do it the way that they do it. Maybe you came from no church background. You grew up with no church background, so you had nothing to compare it to, so it just seemed normal to you. Others of you came from a traditional church. And it just didn't feel as spiritual as you thought that it should when you first walked in here. So today, I want to I talk about three things. I want to deal with three questions. Number one, why do we worship? Then number two, how do we worship? And then who do we worship? So let's start off with the why. Why do we worship? Why do we sing, not to us, but to your name be the glory? Why do we worship God? 
I want to show you a story out of Luke chapter 19, and let me just kind of set this up for you. This, this happens on Palm Sunday. Now, it wasn't called Palm Sunday at the time because we call it that because of what happened on that day. It's the week before Easter, and Jesus is entering Jerusalem, and there are thousands of people who are celebrating Jesus. They're waving palm branches. They're beginning to, to shout and sing. And here's what it says in Luke chapter 19. It says, when he came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples. Now, this is not the 12 disciples. Some estimate there may have been 50,000 people on the Mount of Olives greeting Jesus as he's coming in. It says, the whole crowd began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles that they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, Jesus replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. If they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Now, there's always been a group of people like the Pharisees that say that's against our tradition. We don't do it that way. Maybe you grew up in a church that was traditional. And when it came to worship, there was this unwritten rule that said, we don't do it that way. Well, Jesus responds. And he says, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. See, worship is a response to who Jesus is. And Jesus will be worshiped whether you choose to worship him or not. Because worship is this expression of love for everything that he's done for us. On my 40th birthday, which was just a few years ago, I went to a U2 concert here in town. And they played for several hours. They played all of their hits. And then, like any concert that you've been to, they leave the stage and everybody cheers for them. And they come back for an encore. And then they leave and everybody cheers for them. And they come back for another encore. And then they leave. And so they come out for this third encore. And they play their song called 40. Now, this is a song that comes from Psalms 40 that King David wrote in the book of Psalms. And the entire crowd in the arena was singing that song, and they were lifting their hands in the air. And I thought, they're worshiping God, and they don't even know it. <laughs> Let me tell you the secret to Christianity. It is not trying to obey the Bible. The secret of Christianity is falling in love with the God of the Bible, and then we gladly obey. Worship is expressing your love to God, and even if you choose not to worship, if you choose not to express your love to God, creation worships the creator. Even the rocks will cry out. So how should we worship? How should we worship? If you want to know the style of worship that God likes, it is not a mystery. He actually wrote a book dedicated to worship. It's called Psalms. Psalms is the biggest book in the Bible. It has 150 chapters primarily about worship. And it's like God was saying, this is really important to me. And if you read the Psalms, there are expressions of worship that don't look like most churches. In fact, it looks more like a ball game or a concert than a church. 
Because there's clapping and dancing and shouting and instruments and noise. See, when you go to a ball game and you go crazy for your team, people go, man, he's a fan. She's a fan. When you do that at church, people go, man, they're a fanatic. There's something wrong with those people. Now, the book of Psalms was originally written in the Hebrew language. And the Hebrew language has more words than we have in the English. And so maybe you're just reading along and you come across this word right here, which is praise. Well, this word right here, that, this word that we translated as praise, this could be one of seven completely different Hebrew words. A couple years ago, our friend Gene Apple was here, and he introduced these seven words to us. Well, Chris Tomlin, who has written many of the worship songs that we sing, has a brand new book out called Holy Roar that I was reading these past couple weeks as I was studying for this message. And so I wanted just to unpack these seven words that we translate as praise, but they are completely different words in the Hebrew language. Here's this first one. This first one is halal. Halal. Now, if you hear that and you think that kind of sounds familiar because this is where we get the word hallelujah from. The Yah part of that is God. It's Yahweh. And the halal part is praise. Hallelujah means praise God. And here's the definition. To rave, boast, celebrate, to be clamorously foolish. In other words, God says, I like it when you get a little crazy. I like it when you sing and celebrate me. I like it when you show up and you're willing to get clamorously foolish. Now, one of the problems for all of us, every single one of us have this issue, is we are way too concerned about what people think about us. You probably have a story that you could tell about how you did something to impress people that you didn't even like. And you didn't even like them, but you did whatever you did to, to impress them. This kind of worship says, I will celebrate and I don't care what anybody thinks. We see this word in Psalm chapter 35 where it says, I will give you thanks in the great assembly. Among the throngs, I will halal you. I will rave. I will boast. I will celebrate. I will be willing to even look foolish. Now, here's the second word. The second word is yada. Now, this is not Yoda, the little green guy. This is yada right here. And yada means to worship with extended hand. If, you were, if I were to ask you how many of you love Jesus, you would not hesitate. You would raise your hand and you say, absolutely. Well, here's what we learn is God loves it when you extend your hands in worship. See, we're used to this in, in our society because if you love football, you know that when somebody scores a touchdown, not only does the ref do this, I mean, you do this. It's like victory, score. My team just scored a touchdown. This is victory. That's the idea of this word right here. It's raising your hands in victory. This is a form of worship. I grew up at a church that if you raised your hands, people thought that you were one of those crazy Christians. You just did not raise your hands at the church that I grew up in. I remember when I was in high school, and I was, I was caught up in the worship, and I just wanted to raise my hand. I just wanted just to express myself in worship in that way. But I was afraid that people were going to think that I was kind of weird, and so I just 
tried to get the courage to raise my hand. I just told myself, when I get to one, I'm going to raise my hand. So I started out five, four, three, two, five, four, <laughs> until finally I just, I just raised my hand. See, we see, this, we see this idea right here in Psalm 138 where it says, I will yada you, Lord, with all my heart, that I will worship you with extended hands. Here's this third word. This third word is Barak. And yes, this is the same name of our former president right here. But here's the meaning. To bless with kneeling or bowing. To bless with kneeling or bowing. And here's this verse. It's out of Psalm 103. It says, Barak the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being, Barak his holy name. This is the posture that says that it's not about me. This is lowering ourselves, humbling ourselves, and keeping our eyes on God. I don't know about you, but sometimes I can approach worship as a consumer. You ever do that? Someone asks you, how was church today? It's fine. It was good, not great. I'd give it a seven, maybe a six. I mean, the guy speaking on stage wore a T-shirt. I mean, what's that all about, wearing a T-shirt to church? I don't get that. And on top of that, they sang songs that I don't really like, and, and one of them was like super loud. Why do they do that? I just don't get that. I've discovered when that happens in me, and sometimes it does, that when that happens in me, then the focus has become all about me. It's my experience, my needs, my tastes, my preferences, and I become this me-centered consumer rather than someone who is consumed with the Almighty God. Worship is so much better when I get my eyes off of me and I get my eyes completely on Him. Here's this fourth word. This fourth word is Zamar. Zamar, and Zamar means making music to God with strings, making music to God with strings. This is about making music with stringed instruments. Now, this word literally means to pluck the strings. That's what this word means. See, this is not the elevator kind of music. This is not what this is talking about. It says that God likes it when you get that electric guitar going and you're plucking those strings. And here's what you need to know about what happens here on stage. We talk about this all the time, that when when we are leading worship, it is not a performance. And we talk about this, that nobody gets on this stage to perform. Nobody gets on this stage so they can be on the spotlight. When we get on this stage, it is to shine this huge floodlight on God and God alone. See, that is what this is all about. And we see this in Psalm chapter 92. It is good to Zamar the Lord. It is good to pluck with stringed instruments and just have fun and make music to your name almost high. Now here's number five. Number five is Shabbat. Now if you're going to say this Hebrew word correctly, then you have to say it like there's a kernel of popcorn stuck in the back of your throat. So it's Shabbat is kind of how you say it. And it's to address in a loud tone to shout. To address in a loud tone to shout. And here's where we see the scripture, Psalm 63. It says, because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will shabak you 
as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. It's this idea that just this exuberance that goes out. I remember when, when my, my home church got drums for the first time, people went crazy and not in a good way. People are like, oh, that's what this church is about. I'm leaving this church. I can't believe they would do that. That's not spiritual. And people do that all the time. Let me show you the second to the last verse in the book of Psalms and show you what it says at the very end, kind of at the crescendo of this worship book. It says, praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with the resounding cymbals. Some of you say, but I don't like loud music. I understand that. But if that is you, then you better get earplugs for heaven. <laughs> because the Bible teaches that the praise in heaven will be so loud, it will be like the thunder of the loudest waterfall on earth. See, when we go to the Golden Knights game to cheer them on, they don't get onto the PA and say, okay, everybody, let's, let's get quiet. Shh. No, it's like, let's get loud. Let's get louder. That's the idea of this kind of worship. Here's number six. Number six is, is todah. And todah is to lift hands in adoration. And notice, two of the seven words have to do with lifting hands. Two of them. But let me tell you how this one is different from the first one. The first one is to lift hands in victory. You are celebrating God for the victory he's brought in your life. This one, it is in surrender. It's this posture of surrendering to God that I lift my hands in surrender because lifting your hands is the international sign of just surrender. This is why sometimes when I, when I pray with you, I ask you just to, to hold your hands up in surrender. I'm trying to teach you this posture. I'm trying to teach you something about giving up your life and surrendering your life to God. Psalm chapter 50. He says, whoever offers todah, surrender. They raise their hands and surrender. They glorify me. Now here's the last one. Here's the last one. It is tequila. Now, I know that sounds like tequila, but it is not tequila. This is tequila, okay? And tequila is a song of praise or a new spontaneous song. It's this song of praise or this new spontaneous song. Have you ever been in your car and you just start spontaneously singing? Because, I mean, you're in your car, nobody's there, nobody can see you, so you think. And so you're just caught up in that moment. And sometimes maybe you just make up a song and you start singing it. Okay, maybe I'm the only one who does that. But I will just make up a song and just start singing it. That's this word right here. And in Psalm 34, it says, I will extol the Lord at all times. I will, tequila will always be on my lips. His tequila, this spontaneous praise and worship. That God loves it when you are spontaneous in worship. You say, but I can't sing. Why do you think we turn it up a little bit louder? <laughs> it's so you don't have to hear yourself sing, and then we don't have to hear you sing. <laughs> but that you can, you can sing and you can praise because you were made in the image of God, and he loves 
to be praised. We've talked about why we worship. We talked about how we worship. The third thing I want to remind you is who we worship. In the New Testament book of Philippians, the Apostle Paul talks about Jesus. And he says that Jesus, who is in the very nature God, he's God in the flesh, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a slave, and he descended into greatness. He became humble to death, even the most horrifying, humiliating death that had ever been done, death on a cross. And Jesus did that for your grace so you could experience freedom and hope. And then here's how he ends this passage right here. He says, therefore, because of what Jesus has done for us, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There is power in a name. If you're a parent, then you know the stress of naming your child because this is going to be their identity for the rest of their life. I remember when my oldest daughter was born, we went into the hospital, and we had a name all picked out for her. And when she was born, we looked at her, and we said, she does not look like this name. I'm not going to tell you what name, because there are ladies here who are named that name. She just doesn't look like that name right there. And so we waited a couple days. We couldn't leave the hospital until we chose a name, and we finally chose the name, because we knew this was such a big deal. When we were starting the crossing, I felt the same pressure about naming this church. We had people who submitted names, the possible names for this church. I have them still written down in a notebook. I still have that notebook. And let me tell you, some of those names that people proposed to name this church were so bad. They were terrible. Some of you would have never come to this church had we named this church some of those names. You're welcome. Some people ask, well, how, how did we get the church name? It really wasn't that spiritual. I was agonizing over what are we going to call this church because it's like naming this child. And we were driving through, Darla and I were driving through Summerlin, and we came across the village called The Crossing, and immediately I just knew that's it because this is the place where we cross with God and our lives come together and transformation happens. See, there's something significant about a name. And there is no other name that has more power than the name of Jesus. And someday that's going to be clear to everyone. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. In Luke chapter 7, there's a story of a woman who, who lived this notoriously sinful life. And Jesus had been invited over to eat lunch at, at the house of this religious leader, and this woman crashes the lunch. She threw herself at Jesus' feet. She washed his feet with her tears, then poured expensive perfume on his feet. 
And this religious guy thinks, I can't believe Jesus is letting her do that. This is not the proper way to worship. And Jesus answers his thought. This guy's name was Simon. He says, Simon, I've got a question for you. There's two people who owed money. One owed $50,000. The other owed $5,000. But neither of them could pay their debt back. And so this moneylender forgave the debts of both. He says, which one do you think loved more? And this religious guy knew he had been kind of backed in a corner. He says, well, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt. And Jesus says, that's right. He says, when you've been forgiven much, you love much. Let me just tell you, I've been forgiven much. I had a debt bigger than I could ever pay on my own. I've been forgiven much. And that is what causes us to worship Jesus. In this upside down, backwards kingdom of Jesus, we declare not to us, but to your name be the glory. And Jesus is the name above every name. He is the first and the last. He is the beginning and the end. He is the lamb that was slain for the sins of the world. He always was and always is and always will be. He is unmoved, unchanged, undefeated, and unmoved. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And that is who we worship. And so we're going to express our worship in two ways. First, through communion. That as we receive communion together, the bread and the juice, they represent Jesus who died on the cross for you. And so we do this every week to celebrate what Jesus did, to remember what he did, And so we're going to worship together through communion. And then we're going to worship together by singing together. And here's my ask. A lot of you use this time, you're like, okay, now it's our last song. I can get to the parking lot before anybody else gets there. I'm going to ask you just to to not get up, to express your worship. Tomorrow's Memorial Day. You don't have to go to work. You have nowhere to be. Stay here. And let's worship God together. God, we thank you for being this God who deserves all the praise and all the glory in our life. And God, we submit our life to Jesus, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the lamb who was slain for our sins. He was and is and is to come. He is unmoved and unchanged and undefeated and undone. And God, we give our life to him. So God, I pray that you would just accept our worship from our hearts, our expression of love to you. And we pray this In the significant, all-powerful name of Jesus, amen.